<clears throat> and we invite your attention again to the 139th Psalm. Psalm number 139. I want to read the first six verses. And again, our subject this morning is a thorough examination. We continue this line of thought <clears throat> from last Sunday, and we want to read the first six verses. Again, a thorough examination. It says, O Lord, or O Jehovah, as it's indicated here in our text, the uh, <clears throat> they use all capital letters with the word Lord to indicate that it is Jehovah in the original Hebrew. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. <clears throat> thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. <clears throat> I would like to <clears throat> look at this uh, our text this morning, primarily verse 1, where it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. We noted it last Sunday, looking at it from the perspective of that the Lord searches me, me and knows me with the perspective of that he searches and knows them that are lost. And certainly he does. Amen. And we noted it, how that it states, it's past tense. O Lord, Thou hast, it's already been done. Thou hast searched, past tense, me, and known, past tense, me. And the uh, conclusion, or the finding out, if you would, of the matter was, as is stated in the scriptures, thou art condemned already. That's the conclusion of the matter. But I want you to observe here, if you would, that our text is really of that the scripture deals with them that are saved. The psalmist David is writing this He's the writer of it, and this is really dealing with those who are saved. And David, as we know, is, and we ought not to think that the only people whom God searches are them that are lost, because he doesn't. He searches 
those of us who are saved. And so David, as he writes this wonderful psalm, this 139th psalm, it's, it's a well-known, well-beloved. Some psalms, you know, they tend to stick with you more. This one, it's, it's just it's one of those psalms that it just hangs with us more than some of the others do. This one, he writes it, and we know this to be true because the Word of God says it, and we know it by experience that God searches us, and He knows us. O Lord, the psalmist declares, Thou hast searched me and known me. You can Say with David, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. You can write your own name in place of the word me. O Lord, Thou hast searched and insert your name in that place. Observe if you would, if you'll turn over to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We observe the faithful Abraham. And we find here written concerning him this great and mighty truth about him in Genesis 18 verse 18 and 19. And what a glorious truth is recorded here. But I want you to observe, if you would, and it tells us here, and uh, let's back up to the 17th verse. It said, And the Lord said, the same individual, and the Lord, and Jehovah said. Just as David said, O Lord. Here it says, and the Lord. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing. Seeing. How do you, how does one see something? Seeing. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Sound like God, the Lord God, had already searched and known Abraham. He was not the only one. Look in the book of Job. We're familiar with the individual, Job. Chapter 1.
And notice here how that God gives this estimation, this description of Job. Job chapter 1, and we know the occasion Satan comes and uh, uh, comes before the Lord. He's been walking up and down, to and fro in the earth. And notice in Job 1 and verse 8, and the Lord, the Lord, He said unto Satan, Job 1 verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Satan, have you considered Job? Because I've considered him. I've searched him. And I've known him. Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. How do you know that? Because he'd searched him and he'd known him. What a statement to make. I've searched him and I've known him. There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man. Brother Crowder already mentioned, alluded, spake some, expounded upon, and, and not in great depth, but concerning what it is to be upright. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.29, God hath made man upright, but he sought out many inventions. It says here, a perfect and upright man, not meaning perfectly sinless, but as I have come to understand through study and seeking the Lord, that the word perfect means that he was spiritually mature. A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Boy, God had searched out Job, and he knew him, didn't he? Amen. Satan says to God, he says, well, let's read it. He said, Satan answered and said unto, said, uh, then Satan answered the Lord and said to Job, Fear God for naught or for nothing? Has not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance increased in the land, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. He didn't know Job, did he? He didn't know him. Satan told the Lord, he said, listen, you take everything. Now, that may be true for some people. Some people will only serve God when things are going well. But not Job. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, take notice, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And we know the story. You can read it. You know what happened? 
There was a verse 13. We'll go ahead and read it. Be good to reread it. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon him and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I, o- I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, or charged God foolishly. Boy, God knew Job, didn't he? Isn't that an amazing thing? He had searched him, and he knew him. Does not the Bible say that God knows the hairs upon every one of our heads? Look over in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Christ instructing his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. And observe here in verse 25, one writer, he indicated, uh, Schofield in, the, in this uh, his notes, he indicates beginning at verse 25, he says, the cure of anxiety. Another word for anxiety, stress. Another word for anxiety, fear. You know what it is? Trust in the Father's care. You know what is on the news today? Fear mongering. That's what it is. Fear mongering. That's all that it is. It is a propaganda machine for the the heathen who are raging. And they are against God and His Christ. And the sole purpose is to create fear and distrust 
in the plan and purpose of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And the Bible tells us, if you look here, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Boy, isn't that something? Take no thought for your life. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Next, next phrase. What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Are we not much better than the fowls of the air? Are they joint heirs with Christ? Do you think that you and I, whom, whom Jesus Christ, did He, did the Son of God take on the likeness of the fowls of air or did he take on the likeness of sinful men, women, boys, and girls? Did he die on the tree of the cross to pay for your sins or the fowls of the air? Next verse. Verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Can, can you, if you think real hard, can you make yourself taller or shorter? So if, if you think about what's going on in the world, can you change anything? Not really. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Boy, Christ kind of puts it into real perspective, doesn't he? Amen. Food and clothing. Really narrows it down for us, doesn't he? And then he says in verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And then he says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows it. He knows we have need of them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. 
Does God not know what we have need of before we even ask Him? How does He know? Because He searches us and He already knows. Now, <clears throat> how does God search us? How does God search us? Well, we know that he searches us because he's omniscient. He knows everything. But I'd like you to observe here, if you turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And I think that Brother Crowder and I, last week we had we were conversing just how the line of thought that God had given me and the line of thought that God had given him, how that they were just so compatible, just so complementary to one another. And as I was sitting there thinking, the Lord had given me some thoughts of some of the things and he was preaching about dealing with this morning about conforming to this world how conformed to the world am I and how little of being transformed to the image of Christ I am and well I'll tell you the the thing that has really that really does the greatest searching and that which knows me I believe that God knows me is right here in Hebrews 4.12 is the word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 for the word of God is quick and the word quick here does not mean fast. The word quick here means alive or living. It's like there in Ephesians 2.1 that he hath quickened you. It means that it's, it's, it's been made alive or it's living. For the word of God is quick and powerful. It is. It's very powerful. It's sharper and sharper than any two-edged edged sword. Piercing even the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's how he searches us out. with his word. Beloved, as you read the word of God, as the word of God is preached and declared, his word pierces us. It divides asunder. It goes into the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of our thoughts and intents of our hearts. 
Isn't that a most amazing thing? The Word of God discerns whether this was done for the glory of God or whether it was done for the glory of self. Was this done for the edification of a brother or sister in Christ or was this done for some alternate motive or purpose? The Scripture declares unto us that the Word of God is that which the Lord uses. And it pierces. It is that scalpel of which the great physician uses in his hand, as the Holy Spirit uses in his hand, to divide asunder in us. And reveal the very thoughts and intents of our hearts. Remember, our heart is deceitful. That natural heart is deceitful above all else. And that heart did not go away, did it? That old man is still there. But now you have a new man. And there's a warfare going on. And the Word of God comes in. And it reveals unto us these things. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Listen, we have to do with him. You and I who are blood-bought, who are born again, who are saved by the grace of God. If we have to do with anything, we have to do with Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. And one day we're going to stand before Him and yes, there will be an account that's given. But right now, there is a searching out. There is a thorough examination and it is being done by the Word of God. And our thoughts and intents of our heart, they are being, as the Bible says, the Word of God is a discerner. It's discerning. Look over in the book of James. Very next book. James chapter 1. You see, the Bible, the Bible tells us that the Bible itself, the Word of God, is like a, a looking glass or a mirror. You see, you get away from the Word of God and you forget what you look like. You look in the mirror and you say, boy, I look pretty, I, 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 could, I need to do something about this. You know, or maybe you, you know, 
You feel pretty good, you know? Used to feel pretty good, and then I'd see myself from a different angle. Always used to get up there, you know, at the register, and then I'd see the camera, and I'd go, boy, I don't think that bald spot's getting any smaller. James 1.22 But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. That is, a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway, or immediately, forgetteth what manner of man he was. I'm looking at myself and then I go like this and I forget what I look like. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. See, that's what the Bible is. It's a looking glass. It's going to reveal things. And it's going to reveal the thoughts and intents. It's going to discern those things. And the Spirit of God uses the Word of God and it reveals them unto us. See, it's not just things on the surface. But it's the things in here. And there's some ugly, sinful things in here that need to be dealt with. And you don't escape it because you get older. See, you're not going to outrun sin because you get older. You don't quit sowing wild oats just because you get older. You know, people say, well, they just got to sow wild oats. You're never going to quit sowing sin. Look over in the book of Acts. Chapter 5. <clears throat> Here's a, a case where the Holy Spirit of God revealed to Simon Peter what was done. Now here were some extraordinary or extraordinary, however you want to pronounce it, <clears throat> things that were being done in the Lord's church. And what happened was in chapter 4, <clears throat> there were some who had sold their possessions and they had had given them unto the Lord's church. Some who had had land and they had sold it and they had given it unto the church. 
And evidently in chapter 5, there are some by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And they had had some land and they had sold it, or some possessions, and they had sold it. And the Bible says, verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphire, his wife, sold the possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it or knowledgeable of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? In thine own power. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the, the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then, she, then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in. And found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now these lied. And they lied under the Spirit of God. They lied under the church. They said that they had sold the land for so much money, when they had sold it for more. And they, they said, well, we sold it for a thousand when they sold it for 10000 and they gave 1000 to the Lord's work, and they kept back 9000 And the Spirit of God, He knew it, and He discerned it, and He revealed it. And these were extraordinary things. And He killed them. Oh, he searched them. He gave them a thorough examination and then he killed them. Now, that's up to God. There are some people who have stolen from God and he didn't kill them. That's up to him. But this, he did this. I don't know what they sold the land for. That was just an example. But he searches it with his word. He searches it. He brings it to light. Now what's the purpose of this searching? We'll close with this thought. What is the purpose of God searching his people? Well, let's look over to Romans 8. Timothy John, when he was here during our Thanksgiving service. <clears throat> he brought this out, Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> God has a purpose. 
and his purpose. He has a plan and he has a purpose. And he does all things according to that purpose. And he gives us in his word, the Bible, glimpses. He gives us a lot of detail, doesn't he? There's some things he doesn't reveal to us. The secret things belong unto the Lord. But them which are revealed belong unto us to do them. Deuteronomy 29, 29. I'm not turning there, but that's the reference. But that, that tells us there's a lot of things in scriptures that reveal to us that God, he's permitting a lot of things to take place. But here in Romans 8, 28, or Romans 8, 29, for whom or excuse me, 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. He has a purpose, and it says, here's His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, and the word again, foreknow, deals with those that He favored. He favored some people. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They're never going to earn it, but he had favor upon them. He favored them, and it says he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What's his purpose? Well, his purpose is to save a people and conform them unto the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's his purpose. And so he searches us out to conform us like unto Christ. That's the purpose. That's why he saves people. For his glory. Look over in Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. That series... Brother Crowder finished on uh, <clears throat> our, our uh, heavenly account. My dad kept calling it the Ephesians 1 series because he spent so much time in Ephesians 1. <clears throat> but it was, it was uh, there's a great deal here. What is God's purpose? Look here, Ephesians 1. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Well, are we holy and without blame? No, but we're not before Him in love yet either, are we? 
having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom he also trusted after that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom ye also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. One day he's going to come and get the purchased possession. You see, he paid for us with his blood. And he said, I'm going to come get you. And he gave us the Holy Spirit as our earnest payment. He said, I'm going to come get you. You're paid in full. It's kind of like, you know, you've been put on layaway, but I paid in full, but I'm going to pick it up later. But I'm going to search you and know you, and I'm going to keep conforming you, because I want you to look just like me. O oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Aren't you glad he's searched you and known me? <clears throat> if you're here and you're without Christ, <clears throat> you need to be you need to be born again. And as Jesus told Nicodemus, when he questioned Christ, when he was asking him questions about that, Christ said, even as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so, just as Israel looked to the serpent in the wilderness when they had been bitten by the snake, and as they looked to that serpent in the wilderness, and everybody who did, they were saved from the serpent's bite. Yep. If you'll look to Christ, Amen. you'll be saved. Amen. <clears throat> right now, what's abiding over you is the wrath of God. You are condemned already. You've been searched out, and you've been found guilty. 
And you need to be delivered from the wrath of God. And the only way to be delivered from the wrath of God is by running to God, pleading for mercy. Begging for Him to forgive you. O oh Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me, and I am full of sin. Save. Lord, save. And so while we sing, as the song of the pianist come, if the Lord's spoken unto you, we implore you to come and share what the Lord's laid on your heart. Perhaps it's to, to pray 